Welcome to Mexico Unexplained, where we will explore the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. This series presents information based partly on theory and conjecture. The podcaster's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the subjects we will examine. Here is your host, Robert Bito. Welcome, and muy bienvenidos to episode number 270 of Mexico Unexplained, where we examine the magic, the mysteries, and the miracles of Mexico. I'm your host, Robert Pitto. I love the song of the mockingbird, bird of 400 voices. I love the color of jade and the unnerving perfume of flowers. But I love my brother more, mankind. So read the words translated into English, Written on Mexico's former 100 peso note, one of the few examples of poetry on a banknote of a major world currency. The words are ancient, and they date back to the mid-1400s. The poem on this reddish bill is accompanied by the likeness of its author, Nezahualcoyotl, one of the most intelligent and accomplished rulers in pre-conquest Mexico. This important king ruled the wealthy and vital kingdom of Texcoco, located on the eastern shores of the lake of the same name, which eventually became part of the Aztec Empire. Nezahualcoyotl lived a long life, from 1402 to 1472. During that time, he bore witness to and participated in some of the most important events in the history of ancient Mexico. On April 28, 1402, at the royal palace of Texcoco, an heir to the throne was born. At birth, he was called Akomitzli, which comes from combining two Nahuatl words, Mitzli meaning Puma, and Akolwa, the name of the ethnic group making up most of the Texcoco kingdom. So this future king's name literally meant Puma of the Akolwa people. In his later youth, Akolmitzli would change his name to Nesahualcoyotl. Many people have translated Nesahualcoyotl to mean hungry coyote or fasting coyote. Technically, both translations are incorrect. Nesahualcoyotl literally means coyote wearing a fasting collar. In ancient central Mexico, when people abstained from food in a formal fast, they would wear a collar made out of twisted bands of paper called a Nesawali, so that everyone around them knew that they were fasting. The name glyph of Nesawalcoyotl, what we might call a royal cipher in English, features a head of a coyote with a Nesawali fasting collar. So hungry coyote is a little bit of a misnomer. Anyone who has been on a long-term fast can attest to the fact that after a few days of no food, you just stop being hungry. So, anyone wearing the Nesawali was not necessarily hungry. The royal family of the kingdom of Texcoco was very happy to welcome the heir to the throne into their complex world. Nesawalcoyotl's father was King the I, whose reign was racked by wars and other disputes with his neighbors. Like all kings throughout time, King Ixtlxochitl sought a powerful alliance through marriage and thus married Nezahualcoyotl's mother, the princess Matlalsihuatzin of Tenochtitlan, who was the daughter of Tenochtitlan's king, Huitzilihuitl. So the future king of Texcoco, Nezahualcoyotl, was therefore half Alcua and half Mexica or Aztec. 
The young prince had many advantages, but his parents raised him in a very austere way because Teshkoko was always at a heightened state of alert. In 1409, when Nesawal was seven years old, his father Ishtil Shoshith became king of Teshkoko. Tensions intensified within the first few years of his reign when King Ishtil Shoshit refused to continue to pay tribute to the Tepenak Empire, whose capital, Azcapotzalco, was located on the western shores of Lake Teshkoko. What amounted to extortion payments to a foreign ruler did not sit well with the father of the young prince Nesawalkoyot. King Ishtil Shoshit reached out to the king of Tenochtitlan for support and to broker a peace between the Tepanek Empire and Teshkoko. But the king of Tenochtitlan refused because the royal family of that city had deeper ties through marriage to the Tepaneks. So Nesawalkoyotl's father either had to pay up or face the Tepanek Empire without any allies. Tezosomok the absolute ruler of the Tepanek Empire, declared war against the kingdom of Teshkoko and gathered together an expeditionary force to invade Teshkoko lands. Tesosomok's army did not only include warriors from the Tepanek Empire, but also included some Aztec or Mexica fighters given to the ruler by the king of Tenochtitlan. The Tepanek Imperial Army seemed like an overpowering force against Teshkoko, but Nesawalkoyotl's father was a brilliant military commander and pushed back the Tepanek forces. In fact, the Teshkoko army even drove the Tepanek military back to their capital city of Azcapotzalco and laid siege to that city for several months, but could not capture it. With no sign of the people of Azcopotzalco giving in, the Teshkoko forces returned to their homeland. The entire time during this war, the young Prince Nesawalkoyot, who was a young teenager at the time, fought alongside his father and was valiant in battle. The war was not over with their retreat, however. In early 1418, Emperor Tesosomok of the Tepaneks regrouped and marched with a larger army into the kingdom of Teshkoko. The Tepaneks arrived at the capital city of Teshkoko, eliminating all resistance along the way. The city of Teshkoko soon fell, and the Tepaneks executed most of the ruling elite class, but the young prince Nesawalkoyot escaped with his father, King Ishtul Shoshitl, and a handful of others, fleeing to the hills to the east. The Tepaneks were hot on their trail, and when they were closing in, the king of Teshkoko told his son Nesawalkoyot to hide in a tree. The young prince did, and from that terrible vantage point, he saw the capture and execution of his father. Nesawalkoyot then became a fugitive with a bounty on his head. Emperor Tesosomok and the Tepaneks wanted Nesawalkoyotl to be captured and brought to the Tepanek capital for a public execution. In the years on the run, Nesawalkoyotl pretended to be a commoner and joined the army of the small kingdom of Huesotzinco to the east, near modern-day Puebla, where he honed his military skills and planned for his return to Texcoco. Remember, Nesawalkoyotl was half Aztec, and his mother was part of the ruling family of Tenochtitlan. His aunts arranged for his return to central Mexico, paying bribes to allow him safe passage disguised as an Aztec merchant. 
Soon after Nesawalcoyot arrived in the Aztec capital, the old emperor of the Tepanecs, Tesosomoc, died and was succeeded by his son, Maxtla, who said he would allow Nesawalcoyotl to return to Texcoco under certain conditions. When Nesawalcoyotl found out that the new Tepanec emperor was plotting to kill him, he went into exile again. When in his second exile, Nesawalcoyotl felt even more determined to regain his kingdom. The new king of Tenochtitlan, Itzcoatl, was tired of having the Tepanecs as his bad neighbors and was more sympathetic to Nesawalcoyotl's cause than his father had been. With some help from Itztacoatl, Nesawalcoyotl raised an army from various political entities throughout the Valley of Mexico and even recruited men who knew him from the faraway kingdom of Huesotzinco, where he had once served in their army. Nesawalcoyotl managed to unite the peoples of Tenochtitlan, Tlatelolco, Tlacopan, Tlaxcala, Chalco, and Huesotzinco into one fighting force to take care of the Tepanec situation once and for all. The army of nearly 100,000 men under the leadership of Nesawalcoyotl was victorious and captured the Tepanec capital of Azcapotzalco with ease. Most of the people of central Mexico had been united against a common enemy for the very first time. Nesawalcoyotl returned to Texcoco as king. The kingdom became part of what was later called the Triple Alliance, which would eventually evolve into the Aztec Empire. Nesawalcoyotl ruled Texcoco from 1429 to his death in 1472, a period of almost 43 years. In the early years of his reign, he sought to reestablish order in the kingdom of Texcoco, adopting the legal system of the Mexica that he had learned about while staying in Tenochtitlan. Texcoco had always been a wealthy kingdom, and the money flowing into the capital city helped fund public works projects, including a massive system of dikes that separated the brackish waters from the fresh waters of Lake Texcoco. History records this dike system as being designed by Nesawalcoyotl himself. In addition to the dikes, the capital city had an extensive and elaborate aqueduct system. Visitors marveled at Texcoco's beautiful palaces and temples, its exquisite public sculptures, and magnificent flowering gardens. As the central valleys of Mexico were at peace for the first time in centuries, the kingdom of Texcoco flourished as a center of art and culture. Some historians refer to Texcoco as the Athens of the New World. As a promoter of the arts, Nesawalcoyotl established ancient Mexico's largest library, often compared to the Library of Alexandria, that included codices and other books and manuscripts from all over Mesoamerica. The library was said to contain thousands of documents from various cultures and time periods, but after the Spanish conquest, there was nothing written about it, and no one knows where the contents of the library ended up. Nesawalcoyotl also founded the Texcoco Academy of Music, which invited musicians from all over Mesoamerica to attend. Qualified students came from as far away as the Maya areas, some 700 miles away, to study there. At court, King Nesawalcoyotl cultivated an elite class of artists, scholars, musicians, and poets, known collectively as the Tlamatini. At this time, 
During the rule of Nezahualcoyot, Texcoco set the cultural standard for other ancient Mexican cities and kingdoms to aspire to. In addition to designing and personally supervising the building projects in his kingdom, Nezahualcoyotl is best known for his poetry. He created many poems in classical Nahuatl that were recited by bards at public festivals and events. These poems survived through the oral tradition until they were written down in the late 1500s and early 1600s by some of Nezahualcoyotl's descendants. Notable among them were Fernando Alba Cortés Ixlixoxit and Juan Bautista Pomar. Some of Nezahualcoyotl's poems include Song of Springtime, He Alone, I Am Sad, I Am Wealthy, Be Joyful, and The Struggle. Nezahualcoyotl was said to have fathered over 140 children with various wives and concubines. At the age of 62, he and his primary wife had a child called Nezahualpili, who would be his designated successor and the second-to-last true king of Texcoco. Nezahualcoyotl passed away peacefully at the royal palace of Texcoco on June 4, 1472. He left behind a legacy unmatched among the rulers of ancient Mexico, and his impact on ancient Mesoamerican art and culture cannot be adequately assessed. Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained. Remember to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends by sharing these shows with others. Please go to our website, MexicoUnexplained.com, for references, illustrations, and for free access to transcripts of past shows. Please visit Amazon.com to purchase the books Mexico Unexplained and Mexican Monsters to get hard copies of The Magic, The Mysteries, and The Miracles of Mexico. We appreciate your kind attention once again. Until next time, thank you and gracias. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mexico Unexplained with host Robert Bitto. For show summary, relevant links, and commentary, please check out our website at mexicounexplained.com. Like us on Facebook and be a part of the conversation. Adios and hasta la vista.